owns the copyright related to the output of an AI? At what point does human interaction with an AI constitute a modicum of input? I don't know the answer myself, but on today's episode of the podcast, we'll ask ChatGPT for the answer. We're here with Jan Willem Hudmacher of Stammy Carbon fame, and this is Stuff You Should Know About IP. Stuff You Should Know About IP is the only purely AI-generated podcast about intellectual <laughs> property on the internet. If you enjoy listening to us muse about IP and watching the random outputs of chat GPT read aloud by humans on a Teams recording, don't forget to click that like button, share with a colleague, and leave a comment wherever you're listening. Today's episode of Stuff You Should Know About IP is brought to you by The Patent Lawyer Magazine. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's going on in the world of IP and patents, go to www.patentlawyermagazine.com. Each issue is free to read for up to eight weeks. That's www.patentlawyermagazine.com for global news in the world of patents. All right, Tom, JW. Hey. Take yes. us away. I, I, by the way, it took everything I had not to laugh at the thought of us just reading chat GPT's output aloud for the next 30 minutes. Uh, but thankfully, <laughs> Listen, I, I tried to keep it together. So, so be before we get into this, I just want to mention you sent me a link to chat. What is it called? Chat what? Chat GPT. Yeah, chat GPT. So I typed in a query. And no, I said, I'd like you to write a paper on this. Right in front of my eyes, it started typing right across the page. And it was not usable, but it was really well written. It was well organized. The only reason it was not usable is it just wasn't deep enough. It didn't go into the material I needed enough. But I have to say, it scared me because AI scares me because I'm of the generation that grew up on Terminator and T2. So for uh. me, AI is scary. And by the way, somebody named Elon Musk shares my view of how scary it is. I think he said it's the number one existential threat that we face. But I don't believe that, but okay. Okay, but <laughs> just just to get into this, you know, there we did a we did a podcast before on Davos. Remember the the inventing oh, yeah. the uh, I think the guy's name was Thaler, something Thaler, and I think he was Sounds in the right. U.S. And I think he came up with an invention with Davos and the Australian Patent Office, while smoking a lot of weed, said that, said that, yes, you could have an AI be an inventor. And then that was kind of like, you know, wiped out all across the world. But anyway, this is a different situation, which is copyrights. And and before I before we get into this, I just want to say that if you're not afraid of AI, which you clearly are not, JW, um, nope. And you should be. OK, so Google started funding a local news program where they have AI rights local news articles. OK, um, in your home country of the Netherlands, um, a bunch of researchers got together with AI and had it analyze a whole bunch of stuff from Rembrandt and it created the next Rembrandt. Right. Based upon that. Another thing is there's a group in in Japan that created a short story that they entered into a contest and it got to the second round of this national literary contest, purely AI driven. 
And um, and then DeepMind, which is a Google company, is also creating like music and stuff. So they're taking over all of human functions. I mean, people used to say, oh, they'll never get into poetry or or music or art, but they are. And that's mm -hmm. what we're talking about today is the question of whether AI that creates something like the next Rembrandt or takes a whole bunch of paintings by a, an author and creates a new painting, not as a derivative work of any individual painting, but instead with the flavor of the author's style. Is that okay? So Jan Willem, I wanna just throw that question out to you first. What do you think? Is, is that something that we should permit copyrights for anyone, by the way? I'm not saying that, I mean, it, just getting copyrights, even the owner of the AI could get the copyrights, but should somebody have those copyrights? Well, uh, that, I think that's a, that's a good question. I don't know if I have I have the answer. I do ha I do have some some considerations, um, and I would first like to look at two different cases. One <coughs> is the the case that that you sketched about Rembrandt. Um, for those people who don't know. Um, Rembrandt has been dead for a long time. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> right. So he doesn't if, have any copyrights. If anybody, anymore. whether it is a computer, the, he has a very right. famous painting which is called the Night Watch. It's in the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam. And if you have a chance, I I recommend everybody to go and see it because one, it's huge, but it's essentially a a group portrait. But not like if even today, if you see a group portrait, you see people standing sort of in line and a number of people, the tallest people in the back and then a few people in the front. Yeah, that's not how he painted it. That's how it was conventional to paint group portraits before the invention of photography. But his his painting, the Night Watch, is. It's a group of people, and some people are more in the background, but it's it's a very dynamic scene. And it was it was absolutely groundbreaking when he painted it. And it's still Wait, it's, and you said it's huge? It's actually it's huge. absolute it's I, I don't know, but I'm it's something it like on eight screen by, right it's now, so, so people it's, can see. Oh, that's uh, that's great because it but it is I mean everybody has probably seen copies of it, but in reality it's 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 I think it's about 20 meters wide and about four meters high or something. And in fact, in fact, when they when they put it up, the original painting was so big that they cut a piece off because otherwise it wouldn't fit. Oh, it, <laughs> it wouldn't fit the room. It wouldn't wow. fit in the room and it takes up sort of like one big wall. Yeah, but it wouldn't fit because there was a. I think it was because there was a door, but don't quote me on that. And so they just, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> recklessly cut off uh, a piece of uh, uh, of the painting. Yeah, if that were today, they would have made made a hole in the wall. They would have made the wall bigger, right? Yes. Yeah. So that is uh, uh, one of these things. Now here is the thing: is normally if you use the way I understand it, if you have a work of art like like Rembrandt or well, a more famous one is the Mona Lisa. If the, if that would be a whose um, uh, creator, by the way, is also that 
for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, maybe we should pick a live author. Yeah, but if you make a derivative work, yeah, uh, of the Mona Lisa, and it's very clear that what you did is, for example, the Mona Lisa is a portrait of a uh, lady, um, and if you put a moustache on it, on it, on the lady, which is something that has been done very often, or or uh, devil's horns on the on her head, or something like that, <laughs> it's very obvious, very very obvious that it's a derivative work. Now, if the painter was still alive, he could go after you for copyright infringement and say, you have to pay me because you are using my work. Now, given the fact that um, he's been dead for a very long time, and the same is for Rembrandt, if you make derivative works of these paintings, that's fine. So if you make the next Rembrandt, that's that's fine. Now. By the way, yeah, because because the copyrights have expired, the copyrights have expired. So right, now, you don't but, have to pay anything to right. Rembrandt or his family. Right. And by the way, just it's different all over the world, but copyrights last a long, long time. They last yeah. for the entire life of the author. Plus, like in the U.S., it's like 70 or 75 years. <clears throat> so yeah, the Netherlands also I think it's becoming more harmonized in the Netherlands also. 70 years after the death of the, after the death of right. the author. Right, right, right. So yeah, now but one, here, one other quick thing is just like if Rembrandt were alive or or you know if and, and somebody copied one of his paintings, he could sue them for copyright infringement. If they created a derivative work from one of his paintings, he could sue them, but they could also sue him. So they can own the copyright in their derivative work but they can't produce their derivative work without infringing his copyright. Exactly. But but here is the thing. What, what you were just describing about this artificial intelligence, the artificial intelligence didn't take a particular painting of Rembrandt. Right. What it did, and the... And this is also why I am not afraid of, uh, of AI when you say you are. You said that the AI analyzed the works of of Rembrandt and then um, came up with something that was supposedly the next Rembrandt. I personally, having quite a long time experience with, uh, with computers, um, I find this a little bit too much credit to a computer when you say that the computer analyzes something because that that implies that there is something like a mental activity going on, which I believe is not the case. What right, there, is, there is, there is an algorithm. There is an algorithm. There are decisions being made, though, right? I there mean, are decisions being made. It is unlike an algorithm. A normal, unlike a normal computer program, it, it's like if you use a chisel on a uh, sculpture, it, you're doing everything. But AI yes. is actually making decisions, right? It's programmed well, to make it, decisions. It is an al it uses an algorithm, and if you mean that, if you mean that, that means making decisions. Um, kind of like our it does. It's not. Algorithm. It's it's not consciously make it. There is no consciousness. What it does is it it does some sort of work on a, an awful lot of data, and it generates an output in a way that for us is not necessarily easy to understand how it does that. But there is no 
mental activity going on. It just runs through the motions of following a computer program. So when the robots are coming to your house with their weapons, will that make you feel better knowing that they're not using any <laughs> human mind? They're just running through algorithms as they're shooting well, we're you? Do, we're, talk, we're talking about <laughs> well, there, there's a big difference between robots <laughs> with weapons yeah, and, right. and, a, and something that resembles a painting or okay. essentially nots and, nots and zeros. Right. Uh, I think there's a big difference there, but it's uh, agree. But, um, the other thing is, is that I would then immediately ask the question, okay, who sent those bloody robots to my house? Yes, <laughs> right. which comes was, down to authorship, right? Exactly, and that so somebody decided that it was a good idea to send robots with weapons to Jan Willem's house. Yes, yes. And I don't like that idea way, at all. I think a lot of people would feel that that's a good idea. <laughs> well, that's uh, that's debatable as well. But one of the things is that now, obviously, if you were if, if just going back to the Rembrandt, if you would be, let's say you have a situation where you created a a painting or the AI helped you create a painting and you somehow printed it out. It looks like an oil painting and you and it would be the next Rembrandt. Now, one thing that's obviously illegal is to sign it or to have it signed with Rembrandt's signature. Right. And then pretend it was actually produced by Rembrandt. Agreed. That that is that is completely illegal. And that would be that would be an issue of fraud, right? Not that copyright would, issues. Exactly. But fraud. That, yeah. Exactly. Well, but it, I think it's it's important to mention that because otherwise people might get slightly confused sometimes. Right. Um, but who would be the creator of this new work would, for example, the person typing the order to to the the software that they were using, would that be the creator? Or is the software the creator? Um, well, what I do know is that, um, and there is there is some uh, legal precedent is that uh, uh, humans can be creators, but for example, a gorilla cannot be a creator and thereby have copyright. Right, because because the gorilla is not a human. The, and the like gorilla a, is not a human. There yeah, is like a, the there US, is a, a court case about that where yeah, the, the, the gorilla. Right, the USPTO actually has language in their statute. It says. You can register an original work of authorship provided the work was created by a human being. That's actually in the USPTO statute. Yeah. <clears throat> or, well, um, the Copyright Office, not the USPTO. Yeah. So that's a, uh, so we know, uh, well, if a gorilla, which let's face it, is incredibly close to a human. I mean, I think we share about 97% of the DNA and it's a biological uh, being. If a gorilla cannot be cannot own the copyright. It's ninety nine percent. Yeah, ninety nine point something actually. The, uh, yeah, the other percent is like Neanderthal or something like that. <laughs> I'm not going there. I did, I did the twenty three and me. It explains my posture. Like if you look at me from the side, I'm like I'm hunched over. Anyway, go ahead, Jan Willem. Yeah, but they, but apparently at least the the USPTO or the Copyright Office considers that um, a gorilla cannot be 
a uh, cannot be the author or the creator of a copyright work. Um, now, I think it's not a stretch to say that then apparently a piece of software, which is also not a human and much farther removed from a human, uh, right. can definitely also not be. So the question is, can, can the person who typed the instructions in the software, would they be the owner or would they be, <clears throat> could they be the, the potential owner well, of... Well, yeah, think of it, the owner or the author. Well, yeah, because author. With, yeah. Because yeah. with an assignment, they could be the uh, owner. But because here's what I think of. Imagine this. And I think it depends upon how much information they put into the instruction. So if I give you a, an exact specification of a new product, a prototype, and you build it exactly pursuant to my specification, you're not the inventor. I am, right? Absolutely. Now let's transfer that to a, a, a work of art. If I hire you, Jan Willem, and I say, hey, you know what I think would be really cool is to have a Rembrandt that's never been done before. So could you look at like 30 or 40 Rembrandts and then think up something you can do that's like that, but it's never been done before? Who's the author, you or me? Me. You, because, yes. Because I'm in just, order to create this, I think... It would not be just a matter of me looking at Rembrandt's work. What I would have to do before I could create an oil painting in the style of Rembrandt, I would have to study his style. Yes. I would have to understand how he applied uh, paint to the canvas in order to be able to create something which actually resembles um something in the style of Rembrandt of course I also would need to be um a yeah a very good craftsperson and to be yeah. honest I can't paint at all right but you, Joe you can, could not your wife can yeah I don't know if she could paint like Rembrandt though that right, would right. be yeah mm. but my point is let's say let's imagine that you could if I for could I this think, hypothetical right yes but I think then as a as an author, I would bring quite a lot to the table in the creation of this work. I right, would. It would not AI just be doing? a matter. Yeah, it would not just be a matter of like, oh, I know where the paint goes, because there is a difference between knowing where the paint goes and actually applying the paint and get the same sort of surface structure. And um, I'm sure. Artists have words for that, which I am not aware of, but to make it but actually I would, look like a word of Ram, work of right. Rembrandt. But I would not be the author. Clearly, I would. I just gave you the instructions, which were fairly general instructions, right? I would not be the author. So if you now could take you out of the equation, JW, and put AI in, and I engage the AI, and I give it some general instructions, and it does all that analysis and then it creates the painting, I'm not the author. Yeah, but here is a different thing, is that what I just described, what I needed to do in order to create something in the style of Rembrandt, yeah, what I could do, I could study 
de, his style, his craftsmanship, the, um, let's say, the background of how people looked at subjects in the, in the days that he painted, how he worked with light and dark. And I would bring all that to the table to, bring, to paint something that actually resembled the work of Rembrandt. Right. When you when you take when you order this AI, what the AI would do in some way, shape, or form was look at not at they would it wouldn't analyze the style of Rembrandt. What it would do is it would analyze the known paintings of Rembrandt, and the word analyze I'm using loosely here. They would sort, of, sort of extract similarities between those paintings and then with some minor instructions that you would give me and that, or that, that you put to the software and then it would create something new. But it wouldn't, it would probably superficially look like a work of Rembrandt. But I reckon that an expert would look at that and says, no, no, that's, that's not right because Rembrandt would, ne would never paint it in this way. For example, um, simple example is if you say, well, I would like a, you order the software to uh, make a painting of an elephant on a billiard table. Right. Yeah. 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 And then in the style of Rembrandt. Yeah. So you would get something. Well, the style of Rembrandt is typically that there is a world of dark and light and the very long brush strokes and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and some uh, glittery and there is one place where the light is coming from, like through a window or some, something along those lines. So it would it would create a work. Um, of an elephant on a billiard table in the style of Rembrandt, but it wouldn't actually be in the style of Rembrandt because Rembrandt did, has pro had probably, given that he lived in the Middle Ages or the 17th century or something, he, would, he, would, he wouldn't even consider, he had probably never seen an elephant. Right, right, <laughs> right. But, but it would be, but you could, if you take the word style out and th use the word flavor, I want it in the flavor. I want people who are not experts to look at it and say, wow, that looks like a Rembrandt. Who's the author? Because if I give Jan Willem those instructions, regardless of the outcome, whether you succeed or fail, you're the author. Because yes. I'm giving, I'm just saying, give me a painting with that look that is of the flavor of Rembrandt with an elephant on a billiard table. You're doing all the artistic work. All I'm doing is giving you high level instructions. Yeah. I'm not the author. But if you, you but if you tell me, if you tell me, um, uh, Jan Willem, can you can you make a painting uh, in the style of Rembrandt of an elephant on a billiard table? Then I would say no. Okay, okay. That well, doesn't make it. sense. <laughs> and okay, that's okay. and I think this is this is I think this is quite an important difference because the the software is not going to say no. Say oh well, I look on the internet, I find I find out lots of pictures of what an elephant looks like. I have I have pictures of Rembrandt. There's loads of his paintings. I can find photographs on the internet. Probably high 
definition photographs, so I can do that. Um, same with billiard tables, elephant or billiard table, style of Rembrandt. Or but the question is, who owns it? Who's the author, though? Who's the author? If you're doing it, let's say you agree to say, yes, you're the author. So well, the thing is, how much creativity, let's say if I use the software, how much, how much input has there been on, on my part to create this, this work? That's what I think is the question. How much, how thorough are your instructions? All right. How, how much of the creative process are you versus the AI? And to what extent is it actually um, a creative process on my side? Because they're, they're coming up with the idea of like, oh, elephant on billiard table. Well, that's not, there is not a whole lot of creative process in there, is there? Oh, so you're saying that if I told you to paint an elephant on a billiard table, maybe I'm the author. Well, I would argue in that case that you still haven't put too much input in there. Right, neither of us have, <laughs> but you yeah. more than me. But because whether I use the software at. or you use the software in that respect is immaterial. But is there, in terms of, is there, in terms of creation, yeah, is there anything going on? It's it's a little bit like if I have if I own a cat. And I take the cat to your house and you happen to have a piano. I don't know if you have a piano in your house, but if you have and the cat walks on the piano. Would the 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 sound that comes from the piano, could I then argue? Well, the cat is mine. Therefore, this piece of music is mine. I would say, well. Um, well, you didn't instruct the cat. Oh, you put it on there, but you didn't. Tell well, you can't from. instruct cats. You know that. You can't yeah, instruct exactly. dogs. But they not instruct cats. you. That's right. You can instruct dogs. <laughs> but basically, just to kind of like core this out, you have to be a human to be a an author in many parts of the world, most perhaps. Yeah. Second, you have to have created something to be an author. So if the owner, like some people are saying that the developer of the AI should be the author of anything the AI creates. Even if Jan Willem is the one wielding the AI keypad, right? So what I'm saying is in that regard, the, uh, the creator of the AI might be the owner of the output, but not the author. Jan I, Willem. I, I think that's the stretch too. Why? Because without well, instructions, might... nothing has been created yet. Well, no, let's just assume something magical is created by the AI at Jan Willem's instruction, and I'm the creator of the AI software. <clears throat> I could have an arrangement with you that says, as part of your subscription, you have to, I have to give you the assignment rights, or you have to give me the assignment. So the ownership is really by contract. That's my point. Okay, but yeah, that could, that could be a possibility, but yeah, not but automatic. Though, but I don't think the uh, software, the AI creator is certainly not the author because the most the AI creator has done is giving Jan Willem a platform to be creative, right? Exactly. Now the question it, is between Jan Willem and the AI, who's doing the real creative work if it's a create if there's a creative output, who's doing the creative work? And I guess that comes down to how thorough your instructions are. Yes, there needs to be more than a little bit of instructions in order to be yeah, to it, to be counting as as a creative work. Right, it's kind of like in the patent sense. If I give you a complete specification and 
you start building it and you realize there's something wrong and you have to invent around it to fix it, you are a co-inventor. Exactly. Right? But if you just follow my specification exactly and do no thinking, no analyzing, you just do what you're told, I'm the inventor, you are not. Exactly. So move that to the copyright world. If I give the AI very specific instructions as to what exactly I want the shading and the color and the size and the creatures inside, maybe I'm the author, the AI is not. But if the AI is sophisticated enough to take very thin instructions and create something new and creative, then I'm not the author anymore because all I did was give it high level instructions. And the AI isn't the author because the world says AI can't be an author. So then yeah. no one's the author, which means anybody can copy it because there's no copyrights for it. Yeah, but that latter part I haven't seen because I don't think there is, uh, without very thorough instructions, the AI is not going to really do anything. Now, there was one other question that I wanted to pose, and that is the difference if you are looking at a living artist. Because if you have a living artist, and let's say it is an artist who works not in oil paintings or oil on canvas, which is always, let's say, from a craftsman perspective, is yeah, you do you do need a lot of skill. But let's say you have an author who uses a computer and a print to create his or her works. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of those works are known. And you would instruct an AI to create works in the style of this particular artist. And the artist is still alive, so the, he or she so still has the copyright right. on her works. Um, what would happen and who owns if you would ask AI to create a work in the style of that mean, artist and then print it? You mean, is there a, is there a lawsuit? for copyright infringement, and if so, who is it against? Yes. Yeah, so I'd say- Well, it's not, against the, it's not against the AI, that's for sure. Right, exactly, we're not suing <laughs> the AI. So, but the first question is, is there a lot, is there copyright infringement? Because copyrights give you the exclusive right to make copies, right, to perform, also to make derivative works. So by saying you want to create something in the style of that's not, a derivative work of any particular painting, you haven't made a copy and you haven't created a derivative work. So the question is, is there even copyright infringement? Well, yeah, but the, here is, I do think that there is a difference between how an AI works and how a human works. Because a human can extract the style of someone, yeah, as the example that we gave about Rembrandt and understand that at a deeper level and then take that and create something new. If an AI is just crawling the internet and looking up uh, pictures of the uh, examples of what the artist has created, would you say that any 
new work that is created in the style of would not be a derivative work, maybe not from one of these pieces, but from all of them. Yeah, so if you imagine that you can create a derivative work out of 30 paintings, yeah. let's say that there is such a thing as a derivative work out of 30 paintings that is actionable in copyright law. You're saying, would the AI have created a, a an illegal derivative work? Yeah. That's a... <clears throat> Yeah, that's a great question. You're if a human I don't think did, the law is actually caught up with this. Yeah, so I think we say, haven't. But yeah, so let's say if it's a human that did it, and you can have a derivative work from a collection of paintings, as opposed just by taking the flavor of how they do it, their style, if you will, then the human would be subject to copyright infringement action, right? Yeah. So let's say that there's AI doing again, assuming that there is an action for such a thing. Then the question is, is the AI, who would be the, the, the perpetrator in that case? And I would say it would be the person who's wielding the AI tool because, again, you're actually creating the derivative work. You're utilizing AI to do it, but you wouldn't be able to step back and say, hey, I didn't do it. The AI did it. Right? Mm, what do you yeah, think? well, I think, I think that would be because you ordered it. Yeah. And right. The AI would never have come uh, with the idea. Yeah, the way this AI software is derived um, and is written, the AI would not uh, independently have come up with the idea of creating something in the style of this particular living artist. Today. Well, <laughs> because, but even then it wouldn't. Even if, even if it would have, let's say, a random generator where you yeah. have a list right, of right, all right. living artists and yeah, you have yeah, a random yeah, right. Somebody still had to create that. Yeah. Now, I think there is there is probably, but I don't know to what extent in, in this kind of stuff. If, if, I, if I use this software and I am a great admirer of a particular artist and um, I would like to have a work of that artist, let's say Banksy. Yeah, I'm a great admirer yep. of Banksy and I'm like, okay, I would like to have something on the wall that resembles a Banksy just for me. Yeah. I could ask the AI to create something. I have it printed, I frame it and I hang it above the sofa. Yeah. Yeah. Would this be, and I'm not. I'm not uh, copying it and multiplying it and selling it and making a business out of it. It's just me who really enjoys it. Yeah. Would that be a reason for, would there be a likelihood of me being sued by the original artist? No, because you don't have any money and it's only one thing. You're not, you're not producing them. You're not, you're not worth the money, Jan Willem. Exactly. And I couldn't <laughs> afford I couldn't afford the work of Banksy anyway. Right, right. <laughs> so it's, right. Like, it's, it's not like it's not like I'm stealing from him because well there was no there was you're no money the anyway. You're not in the target market. Now if I think, well, this Banksy guy, he's doing quite well. Yeah, um, now. I'm, yeah <laughs> trying to that's make it, some that's, money. I think I think he might he might be a little bit cross with me and think, well, I'm going to sue you. Right now, yeah, because you've committed copyright infringement in both instances, but you're just not worth the effort in the first instance. 
Yes. Right. Is there something as fair use in copyright law? Because yeah, but fair use is not you hanging it up on your um, on your wall. That's not what you'd call fair use. Like if you're going to use it in, to teach a course, yeah, or as to comment in the news, you know, things like that would be fair use. But just because okay. you didn't want, just because you didn't want to pay for it, so you copied it and put it up on your wall, that's not fair use. Okay. Yeah, at least, yeah, I was just wondering at if least that not, was, it was not, an analogous thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is in other countries, but I'm sure Sue, everybody has that mentality. Yeah. And by the okay. way, Ray, you've been very talkative through this session. I, I'm so fascinated with this conversation. <laughs> I feel like I need to review my Greek philosophy because this is getting very heady. Like, I'm not even sure what is real or not real or... <laughs> Who is an well, author you know, or what is an author? Yeah, your one takeaway should be from this entire session is I'm terrified of AI and JW <laughs> is not. <laughs> but uh, in either case, when the robots come, I will be justified. I am terrified of robots, particularly and, when they are carrying guns. <laughs> and JW yes. will be in disbelief. I'll be justified in my death. JW will be in disbelief in his death. I'm really afraid of AI insofar as it will be able to tell the robots who should live and who should die. Yes, yes, exactly. Because I feel like I'll be on the bad side of that one. <laughs> Agreed. I think we might all be. Well, let's put it this way. If the robots are being controlled by a um, by a uh, authoritarian or dictatorial regime, we all, we all know that they are going to go for the for the authors and yes uh, the intelligentsia this, yeah there is nobody who be, who there is no dictator who starts with putting the the soldiers in prison it's that's always right, that's right. it's always the it's always the writers right but if it becomes the ai that's making these decisions they'll probably search the web find every podcast where people said anything about AI that was even slightly that's, negative that's and kill those people. So <laughs> we're, we're probably done. So this was good, Ray. This is a good session. Yeah, well, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed us in this discussion about IP, specifically copyright ownership, as it relates to the output of an artificial intelligence tool. If you did, don't forget, Leave a comment wherever you're listening or watching. Share with your friends, your family, your mother-in-law, and we'll see you next time on Stuff You Should Know About IP. Mm -hmm.